If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, on the programme a couple of weeks ago, we discussed that announcement that the works of Roald Dahl uh, had undergone hundreds of changes by the rights holders, Puffin Books, in an effort to remove words or imagery that could be deemed offensive. Now, the move sparked quite a lot of critique and uh, we had a a couple of discussions on this programme about it. And now we're hearing that there will be two versions of the Dahl uh, collection made available to people. Dr Eugene O'Brien is the Head of English Language and Literature at Mary I in Limerick and uh, joins me now. Eugene, good morning to you. Hi, friend. And thanks very much indeed for coming on with us today. Me. You've written a, a, a great opinion piece about this. Now, one of the... <laughs> you're slightly cynical like myself in it where you say that, you know, all of this discussion did not do any harm at all to the marketing of the Dal uh, books. But besides that, let's just talk about what's been happening here. Do you agree with that notion that we can rewrite literature in some way? No. I, I would be very... I would be very agreeable to the idea that, you know, the old saying, sticks and stones are big, my own mm. names never hurt me. I don't think that's true. I think names can make us not want to go out of our house. They can bully us. They can damage our self-image. So I would be very much in favour, and like I, I'll pin my colours to the match to, to the mass here, I'd be in favour of people choosing their own pronouns, of gender identity, transformation, of people not um, being forced to fit into constraints that we would have thought before. So I'd be very much in favour of all of that. My problem with this is that what we're doing is we're rewriting the past. So if you look, say, at, at the culture that Roald Dahl was writing in, where you can call people fat, you know, and you can yeah. call people ugly if you want to, and that's fine. That's where we were. And if you rewrite those to make it seem that that wasn't the case, any progress we've made is suddenly taken away. And I mean, I know a lot of people feel that we're in a much more uncertain world now and that, you know, nothing is sure anymore and the old certainties are gone. But when anyone says that to me, and I get a lot of that in English because we would be very much in favour of of change and stuff like that. Um, I always say, well, that old world brought us, you know, clerical abuse, the Magdalene laundries, like grinding poverty, um, stigma, illegitimacy. If we rewrote all that, we said none of that was true. Magdalene Laundries were nice places where everybody kind of, you know, just kind of washed their clothes and came out clean and where illegitimacy wasn't something that was a huge stigma that blighted your life and a lot of people had to emigrate to get rid of it. Our sense of where we are now and the journey we're going on wouldn't work. And you might say, well, it's a big step from rewriting stuff in a made-up book to rewriting history. But I think we've all seen how history can be rewritten quite easily. And I feel that to get a good sense of where we are in the present, we need to look at those offensive words and those offensive attitudes that weren't seen as offensive, you know, back in mm. the day. And that traces how we move. Like yourself, like I hadn't talked about Roald Dahl in, I'd say, 10, yes. 15 years. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a huge... Some some publisher is rubbing his or her hands in glee here because not only are they reissuing one set of Dahl books, they're now reissuing two, two sets. So it's, it's very smart. And, and I know it's a real coincidence, but, but there's <laughs> there's a Roald Dahl uh, stage musical being presented at the moment as shocker. well. So, so there's, there's a real shocker for it. Do you think, then, that we should just teach kids critical thinking when they, when they read? Yeah. I do. I, I think the value... I mean, I, I like I said it in, in, in the piece I wrote, that books that were massively popular in their own context, you know, someone like Thackeray, who was huge, someone like yeah. Dickens, who was huge, and who wasn't high culture, who was popular culture, who serialised in magazines, yeah, yeah, and papers, everybody yeah. read them, you know. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of these people aren't as popular now, except in BBC adaptations, because first of all, they're too long and people just aren't willing to engage with the language in them. I think one of the big things about reading is showing you different points of view. So if I read a book uh, narrated by an African woman. It puts me in her head to some degree, some greater or lesser degree. If I read a piece by, you know, somebody from Ukraine at the minute, it gives me an imaginative sense of empathy with that person. And I think the critical thinking aspect of it is that's the value of what we do. We, We teach people how to think critically, that there are different points of view, it's the antidote to Twitter where, you know, we get into an argument and, you know, by the time we hit the fourth tweet, I'm calling you a Nazi or you're calling me a Nazi and there we go. Um, what we're trying to teach, I suppose, in, in, in English and in literature in general would be critical thinking and a more nuanced approach that the notion of one single truth that you can, you know, rip the mm. skin apart and find it like the, the seed at the middle of a piece of fruit. I, mean, I don't think that's there. I think it's more like an onion. You're You're layering and de-layering to come to some agreed notion and that notion may change. We we might think it's very recent but uh, I, I don't think so because Enid Blyton would have gotten me through a rather miserable childhood, Eugene, and um, that that suffered from a rewrite about, what is it, 15 years it ago did. now as well? Yeah, and again, I wouldn't agree with that in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, yes, she used words like gollywogs yes, and she yeah. used terms that we now find offensive, but they weren't found offensive by the people reading them then. And that her her use of those things, which popularized and encultured them, like that's part of the journey that we're on. I mean, I was watching with my family reruns of the old Dad's Army um, yes. yeah. program, which which was dated like when it was made, so it hasn't dated much anymore. And it's, it's very human. It's very decent. They're good people. They're doing their best. They're very funny. But, you know, Corporal Jones keeps talking about fuzzy buzzies. Yes. And they don't like it up on Captain Mannering. I mean, is that racist? I don't know. At the time, it possibly wasn't because it was being played for laughs. Now... We look at it and say, well, you're dealing about people whose country these uh, these soldiers invaded. And it's that critical thinking, and you're bang on there, Fran. It's that critical thinking that I think adds value to what we watch. I can still laugh at that and yet make the point that, well, you know, now we wouldn't say that. Right. It's, very it's of its time, as opposed to... Exactly. Context yeah. is everything. Yeah, and where would you stop? I mean, you've written a book on, on Heaney, for example. I presume if you combed through Heaney's poetry, you might find something that somebody now might find objectionable in some way. There's a very famous line in one of his early poems called Punishment, where he's talking about how young women in Catholic working-class nationalist areas, if they were doing a line or keeping company with British soldiers, they would be taken tied to railings and tarred and feathered. The message being, you don't give comfort to the enemy. And Heaney talks about standing, and he compares the, these people to bog bodies that have been, been taken out of the bog thousands of years ago. One was a young girl who was killed for committing adultery. And it's always interesting, it's always girls that are killed for that. They don't, the, the male yes, never seems to get too much hassle from that kind of thing. But Heaney talks about he would he would um, was it? he would un, he would look in horror at the thing, yet understand the exact and intimate revenge. And like wow. a lot of people said, "Whoa, hang on here, Seamus. Are you yes. kind of saying that it's okay for the provost to do this?" And he wasn't. You couldn't have a thirty-year-long guerrilla war in a place where there wasn't some support. 
And a lot of the Catholics at the time are nationalists were reluctant to say it, but it was there. And in poetry, he was able to say that in the poem, whereas in his, his, his lived public sphere life, uh, he was quite critical of the provisional IRA and quite critical of violence as a way of achieving identity. But in literature, you can say that stuff. It allows you to voice it and maybe be a kind of a steam valve to get it out. Do you know what I mean? I and so, yeah, you're quite right. You could pick anyone. You'd find stuff no matter where you look. And, and what I got a bit of a amusement from when I heard about what uh, the controversy over the Dal books. I mean, if they, if they start to look at opera... <laughs> oh, sweet God. Yeah, yeah, I know. We won't see anything on the stage whatsoever. Of course, we're seeing statues being pulled down now as well all over the place. Um, you know, some of the great so-called heroes of, of the day, but now we associate them with slavery or, or, yeah. or whatever. So this seems to be a thing of, of our time. It is, and I, I think what it is, it, it's in one way people like me who teach literary and cultural theory are to blame for this because we offer almost everything to critique. The other side of it is that there's a flattening going on that, you know, you see it in Oxford and Cambridge. Like, they'll pull down statues, but yeah. they won't dump the endowments. Yes. They won't take yes. away the money. They won't, they won't suddenly say, well, we're closing because our wealth or our endowment was built on slavery or was built on serf labour. So there's an element of virtue signalling going on here as well. I think young people and again, I work with them all the time. Yeah. They're very good at that because they spot the hypocrisy, and we've had a lot of that in Ireland, and they spot that and they poke it and they puncture it. Um, we just have to be careful, I suppose, that we're aware that there are contexts as well as texts and that something that was okay in its own time isn't okay now. We need to draw the line between the then and the now. Rather than flattening everything back to then or destroying statues or taking out words, we need to trace the journey we've made and see where we can go now because we'd still have people in 20 years' time who look back at us and say, oh my God, they said that. And it goes from there, you know. And, and that's the way it is, I suppose, is. through the generations. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also interested in what happened with with Churchill. Now, I would have never been a fan of Churchill, I have to say. But, I mean, he certainly was a British hero. He went from hero to zero because people examined, I suppose, what it was that he had to say. And They did. And when, when you think back on it, I mean, one of the things that always fascinated me about Churchill, and, I mean, you know, we now know he was a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. We now know. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, he'd have been outed on, on, on some someone's TikTok and he'd have been left in disgrace. But he, as soon as the war was over, he was kicked out of office, yeah. which I thought was interesting at the time, that, that people felt that he was fine to lead them through, but the notion of a welfare state, of a kind of a, they never used the word, but a social democratic mm -hmm. levelling up and of giving people safety nets and education, health and housing. He wasn't for that. I mean, the Tories still aren't. Um, but the people who were got in, and I think that's interesting, that I think people sense at times through the rhetoric that people have that there's something missing there and that's something that's good for kind of everybody, you know? Do you think we'll get sense, Eugene, and this is just a passing phase or something, or will we try and interfere with even more literature as, as time goes on? I think it'll be a, it'll be a debate. I, I think we, we'll have discussions like ours, which, well, I'm in it and so are you, so I think it's very, you know, restrained and meaningful yeah. and thoughtful. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have all of those. I think that's a good thing. Like, again, it's like social media. You know, people give out and say, and I did it myself earlier on, that people will call each other Nazis and they will. Yeah. But you also get fantastic stuff on it. You, you get really insightful, yeah. good, 
decent opinion and thought-provoking stuff. I think we're in a, a public sphere now where we no longer really listen to our politicians for moral or ethical advice. We don't listen to our church. I'm not sure who we listen to. So a lot of stuff is debate, and debate is always going to be push and pull. So I think we're going to try and get sense in spots, and then we're going to go wrong in spots, and then we're going to come back in spots. But I think the key is kind of respectful discussion about it. And if you're a publisher, publish two sets of books because, you know, it makes more money. <laughs> oh, you old cynic. You. Before <laughs> I let you go, can I just ask you, because I'd love your opinion on this, um, because, uh, you know, you're head of English language and literature at Mary I. And I'm wondering about the, well, I, I'm showing my own conservatism here, the damage done to the English language through social media, and particularly, I suppose, through Twitter and, you know, rewriting uh, language in a lot of ways. Does that concern you? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. I, have, I mean, we all our students are, are, you know, very active. But it means now, it's students now are writing more than they ever wrote. Now, you might say, yeah, but they're writing in textiles or yeah. they're writing in slang. I always compare that when I talk, and most of our students are, are we have a huge female quotient in, in Mary I. We're getting more guys into the BA and B.Ed., but the vast majority are still women. And I'd always say to them, well, you know, the way you're dressed here is kind of student style. Would you dress this way for going out at night time? They'd say no. And I'd say, would you dress that way or this way if you were going to an interview? And they'd say no. They're different styles. I mean, I'm actually in front of me on two screens at the minute. I'm correcting essays on Mothering Heights. It's one of the big classic books yes. of, um, of English literature. And I'm getting really top-notch, well-written, lucid, well-argued, backed up by critics, backed up by quotes from students who on their phones will be using slang, using text, using for for far, using the letter U for Y-O-U. I think they're cute enough and, and shrewd enough at this stage because they do so much writing in different fora to be to be able to pick and choose their languages. Like the standard of writing, the standard of language I'm looking at is probably better than it was 20 years ago, if I'm being really honest about is it. it? So, yeah, wow. yeah. Not a popular opinion, and my colleagues give out to me about this, but yeah. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right in front of me, and it's decent stuff. It's coherent, it's decent, it's well-argued, well-written. You right. know. So, so as I would see it, that butchering of the language on social media, that doesn't reflect itself in what you're seeing from your students when they're being critical about essays or whatever. No, they're, they're, they're linguistically mature enough now wow. to differentiate between the kind of language. Like, you know, we're talking now. I mean, if I was talking normally in normal conversation, I can occasionally have quite a salty vocabulary and, <laughs> and I'll put stuff in and out. And you yes. may do as well. Indeed. I'm not going to do it here. Okay. Because I'm smart enough to know that that's not going to sound good on the radio. And the students just carry that forward and do the same thing. Isn't that very interesting indeed, yeah? And I suppose when we look back at Old English or the English yeah. of Shakespeare or whatever, it, it, there is an evolution, is there not? Massive. And yeah. an awful lot of that was body in the extreme. Uh, and it, it's Wasn't ironic it? that now we have to have 98 million footnotes to get the dirty <laughs> joke that's in, you know, the piece that he wrote <laughs> and the people that be following on the piss. I think it's always evolving. It's, that's the that's why I love it. It's yes. always evolving. It's always growing. We're always getting new words, losing old words, changing context. You know, it's just, it's, it's constant. Yes. But do you have some regrets that I mean, you spoke about you know Dickens being popular culture in his day and episodic in terms mm. of the newspapers and all. Whereas now we might be reading Jackie Collins. Does, yeah. does that bother you? No. Again, what you said earlier on was bang on the notion about critical thinking. Like the latest book I'm writing is on Ross Carroll Kelly. You know Paul Howard, yes, Ross Carroll Kelly. Yes. There's 25 of them. Like he, I, need, I need to get this guy to stop writing because just as I get to the end, he brings out another book. And, you know, I, I really need yes. to do something to it. But 
I think that shows as much about Celtic... He probably shows more, honestly, about Celtic Tiger Ireland and the snobbery that we have and the classism and our racisms, indeed, than you might get in so-called high culture, which tend to focus on the individual and avoid that. So Howard's stuff is well worth studying, just as Dickens's was. And again, it's about critical thinking and about, you know, bringing something to reading these things in, in a kind of a way that tells us more about our lives and about our society as we go. Delight to talk to you today, Eugene. Thank you so much for your time. Really Thank enjoyed you. it, friend. Thank Thanks you. very Thank much. You. Have good a good day. Good morning Take to care. you. You too. That's uh, Dr. Eugene O'Brien there, who is head of English uh, Language and Literature at MIC, and his students are so lucky to have that man uh, lecturing them. I'm sure you'll agree, because he's... Uh, uh, his credits are just just uh, amazing. I mean, the, the amount of stuff he's written over the years, um, absolutely fantastic. Anyway, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is only 33113311. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 